Hello, I'm Kevin Hayes, the Story Man. Welcome back to the Nightly Bedtime Story. Tonight we will continue with the reading of Peter and Wendy, Peter Pan, written by J.M. Barry. Tonight we will continue with Episode 6. When we left our characters last night, they had just spotted the island as they were flying over, and it was pointed out by a million golden arrows provided by the sun. Who helped them out before the sun went down for the night? Let's see what happens in Episode 6. Wendy and John and Michael stood on tiptoe in the air to get their first sight of the island. Strange to say, they all recognized it at once, and until fear fell upon them, they hailed it, not as something long dreamt of and seen at last, but as a familiar friend to whom they were returning home for the holidays. John, there's the lagoon. Wendy, look at the turtles burying their eggs in the sand. I say, John, I see your flamingo with a broken leg. Look, Michael, there's your cave. John, what's that in the brushwood? It's a wolf with her whelps. Wendy, I do believe that's your little whelp. There's my boat, John, with her sides stove in. No, it isn't. Why, we burned your boat. That's her at any rate. I say, John, I see the smoke of the redskin camp. Where? Show me and I'll tell you by the way the smoke curls whether they are on the war path. There, just across the mysterious river. I see now. Yes, they are on the warpath, right enough. Peter was a little annoyed with them for knowing so much. But if he wanted to lord it over them, his triumph was at hand. For have I not told you that anon fear fell upon them? It came as the arrows went, leaving the island in gloom. In the old days at home, the Neverland had always begun to look a little dark and threatening by bedtime. Then unexplored patches arose in it and spread. Black shadows moved about in them. The roar of the beasts of prey was quite different now, and above all you lost the certainty that you would win. You were quite glad that the night lights were in. You even liked Nana to say that this was just a mantelpiece over here, and that the Neverland was all make-believe. Of course, the Neverland had been make-believe in those days. But it was real now, and there were no nightlights, and it was getting darker every moment. And where was Nana? They had been flying apart, but they huddled close to Peter now. His careless manner had gone at last. His eyes were sparkling, and a tingle went through them every time they touched his body. They were now over the fearsome island, flying so low that sometimes a tree grazed their feet. Nothing horrid was visible in the air, yet their progress had become slow and labored, exactly as if they were pushing their way through hostile forces. Sometimes they hung in the air until Peter had beaten on it with his fists. They don't want us to land, he explained. Who are they? Wendy whispered, shuddering. But he could not or would not say. Tinkerbell had been asleep on his shoulder, but now he awakened her and sent her on in front. Sometimes he poised himself in the air, listening intently with his hand to his ear, and again he would stare down with eyes so bright that they seemed to bore two holes to earth. Having done these things, he went on again. His courage was almost appalling. Do you want an adventure now? He said casually to John. Or would you like to have your tea first? Wendy said, Tea first, quickly, 
and Michael pressed her hand in gratitude. But the braver John hesitated. What kind of adventure? he asked cautiously. There's a pirate asleep in the pompous just beneath us, Peter told him. If you like, we'll go down and kill him. I don't see him, John said after a long pause. I do. Suppose, John said a little huskily, he were to wake up. Peter spoke indignantly. You don't think I would kill him while he was sleeping. I would wake him first and then kill him. That's the way I always do. I say, do you kill many? Tons. John said, how ripping, but decided to have tea first. He asked if there were many pirates on the island just now, and Peter said he had never known so many. Who is captain now? Hook, answered Peter, and his face became very stern as he said that hated word. Joss Hook? I? Then indeed Michael began to cry, and even John could speak in gulps only, for they knew Hook's reputation. He was Blackbeard's boatswain, John whispered huskily. He is the worst of them all. He is the only man of whom Barbecue was afraid. That's him, said Peter. What is he like? Is he big? He is not so big as he was. How do you mean? I cut off a bit of him. You? Yes, me, said Peter sharply. I wasn't meaning to be disrespectful. Oh, all right. But I say, what bit? His right hand. Then he can't fight now? Oh, can't he just? Left-hander? He has an iron hook instead of a right hand, and he claws with it. Claws? I say, John, said Peter. Yes. Say, I, I, sir. I, I, sir. There is one thing, Peter continued, that every boy who serves under me has to promise, and so must you. John paled. It is this. If we meet Hook in open fight, you must leave him to me. I promise, said John loyally. For the moment they were feeling less eerie, because Tink was flying with them, and in her light they could distinguish each other. Unfortunately, she could not fly so slowly as they, and so she had to go round and round them in a circle in which they moved as in a halo. Wendy quite liked it, until Peter pointed out the drawback. She tells me, he said, that the pirates sighted us before the darkness came and got Long Tom out. The big gun? Yes, and of course they must see her light, and if they guess we are near it, they are sure to let fly. Wendy, John, Michael, tell her to go away at once, Peter, the three cried simultaneously, but he refused. She thinks we have lost the way, he replied stiffly, and she is rather frightened. You don't think I would send her away all by herself when she is frightened? For a moment the circle of light was broken, and something gave Peter a loving little pinch. Then tell her, Wendy begged, to put out her light. She can't put it out. That is about the only thing fairies can't do. It just goes out of itself when she falls asleep, same as the stars. Then tell her to sleep at once, John almost ordered. She can't sleep except when she's sleepy. It is the only other thing fairies can't do. 
Seems to me, growled John, these are the only two things worth doing. Here he got a pinch, but not a loving one. If only one of us had a pocket, Peter said, we could carry her in it. However, they had set off in such a hurry that there was not a pocket between the four of them. He had a happy idea. John's hat! Tink agreed to travel by hat if it was carried in the hand. John carried it, though she had hoped to be carried by Peter. Presently, Wendy took the hat, because John said it struck against his knee as he flew, and this, as we shall see, led to mischief, for Tinkerbell hated to be under an obligation to Wendy. In the black topper, the light was completely hidden, and they flew on in silence. It was the stillest silence they had ever known, broken once by a distant lapping, which Peter explained was the wild beast drinking at the ford, and again by a rasping sound that might have been the branches of trees rubbing together, but he said it was the redskins sharpening their knives. Even these noises ceased. To Michael the loneliness was dreadful. If only something would make a sound, he cried. As if in answer to his request, the air was rent by the most tremendous crash he had ever heard. The pirates had fired Long Tom at them. The roar of it echoed through the mountains, and the echoes seemed to cry savagely, Where are they? Where are they? Where are they? Thus sharply did the terrified three learn the difference between an island of make-believe and the same island come true. When at last the heavens were steady again, John and Michael found themselves alone in the darkness. John was treading the air mechanically, and Michael, without knowing how to float, was floating. Are you shot? John whispered tremulously. I haven't tried yet, Michael whispered back. We know now that no one had been hit. Peter, however, had been carried by the wind of the shot far out to sea, while Wendy was blown upwards with no companion but Tinkerbell. It would have been well for Wendy if at that moment she had dropped the hat. I don't know whether the idea came suddenly to Tink, or whether she had planted on the way but she at once popped out of the hat and began to lure Wendy to her destruction. Tink was not all bad, or rather, she was all bad just now, but on the other hand, sometimes she was all good. Fairies have to be one thing or the other, because being so small, they unfortunately have room for one feeling only at a time. They are, however, allowed to change, only it must be a complete change. At present, she was full of jealousy of Wendy. What she said in her lovely tinkle, Wendy could not, of course, understand, and I believe some of it was bad words, but it sounded kind, and she flew back and forward, plainly meaning, Follow me, and all will be well. What else could poor Wendy do? She called to Peter and John and Michael, and got only mocking echoes in reply. She did not yet know that Tink hated her with a fierce hatred of a very woman. And so, bewildered, and now staggering in her flight, she followed Tink to her doom. The End For tonight I hope you liked Episode 6 of Peter and Wendy, Peter Pan, written by J. M. Barry. Well, I guess she can't trust Tink. Tink is very jealous of Wendy because she likes... Peter Pan. 
and Peter Pan is spending way too much time with Wendy, and Tinkerbell is, well, Tinkerbell. You wouldn't think a little thing like that could be so naughty sometimes. Well, she's apparently taking her to her doom, as the story says, so let's hold our breath until tomorrow night and see what happens on Episode 7. I'm Kevin Hayes, the Story Man. Be back tomorrow night to read you Episode 7 of Peter and Wendy, Peter Pan, written by J.M. Barry. But for tonight, good night. <laughs>